Hi, CityCast listeners. It is Friday. Time to catch up on the week's news. I am here with Shiam Galyan, our CityCast contributor for social issues, and lead producer Dina Kespa. It is Friday, July 1st, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Man, it has been a week. Uh, Shiam, what do you think the biggest story of this past week has been for Houston? The biggest overall story would be the end of access to abortion, safe access to abortion for women and and people who can get pregnant in Texas. Mm -hmm. There's another story this week that kind of falls under that that I think is probably the biggest story, which is that a handful of women's health clinics sued the state and they got like a temporary, there's like a, like a safe zone that they were able to win legally because of a judge in Houston. The temporary restraining order. Yes. Yes. That was like until July 12th. Yeah. These two abortion clinics in Houston and others around the state that sued can resume performing abortions for women and other people who are up to six weeks pregnant. It says until July 12th. Or until overturned. Yeah. Because Texas trigger law has a built-in waiting period after the Supreme Court files its official ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. And that hasn't kicked in yet. But in the meantime, the attorney general is arguing that these you know, laws from the 1920s suddenly apply now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. And so our Harris County judge said, nope, can't do that. Mm-hmm. But they're appealing that busily. So I don't know even how long that temporary reprieve is going to last. Mm. For me, like the thing that's most striking is what overturning Roe v. Wade does to anybody with functioning ovaries in the state of Texas. I mean, looking at that bounty law that's in effect and looking at all the laws that are likely to come about once the Texas legislature is in session in January. And the landscape gets really scary because all of us have very happily, you know, clicked agree on our user agreements. You know, our apps are all tracking us. And Those bounty laws mean that clever people can suddenly go after anyone who would help you get an abortion and sue them for $10,000. And, you know, there's all these things that we don't really think of as abortion that are also affected by this. The other questions are, you know, what are the legal penalties going to be for doctors who do anything that ends a fertilized egg's life? You know, if you have an ectopic pregnancy where... You get a fertilized egg, but it's not actually in the uterus, in the womb. It's just kind of floating out there, growing, but not going to develop into a baby. Mm-hmm. This is incredibly painful. It puts women's lives in danger. But technically, under this law, a doctor might be prosecuted for taking care of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently read, because this was also my the biggest story for me, too. I recently read a, a post about a, a mother who was talking about how she basically had to make this really hard decision at 23 weeks pregnant to terminate the pregnancy because her daughter was having like seizures and so many health issues and she was just not going to have a quality of life. And so it's like, well, what does this mean for me when I had to make that decision? Because why would I birth my child and give them a life of pain right? instead of doing what I know I need to do, which is also a really hard decision for her, is to terminate the pregnancy at 23 weeks. Yeah which is later. Yeah. What I wanted to to bring up was like 
Lisa, you know, I really appreciate the the questions and like how you kind of guide us with like how we should be thinking about the news that's happening. I get really kind of overwhelmed and and focused on um, the way that the conversations are going. Mm -hmm. And I try and look for like patterns in the conversation. Mm. And one thing that really struck out to me was that the conversation around abortion rights follows two trends that I've noticed being someone who works in the peace and justice space. One, that there is an insistence on generalizing what the story is. From the people who support the abortion ban, there's like an insistence that, uh, no, this is like totally wrong. And there can be no situation in which you might need an abortion that wouldn't make you a murderer. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty scary. And then, you know, I always, whenever there's conflict, I always look for what are the exceptions that people are making. Mm -hmm. I consider myself to be very pro-life, but not in the mainstream sense. I think, you know, advocating for people to have more access to resources to, to lead dignified lives. I mean, like there's so much, I think that people do that can be described as pro-life, but that this movement, you know, claims that moniker and, um, that they're exceptionalizing the life of an unborn fetus over the, the person that's carrying and hosting the fetus and kind of saying like that person's life is just as a vessel. That's also pretty scary. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people in my circles just hmm. really struggle. Like I think some of us think like, you know, why would I need to make a statement? Um, and then I see people making a statement that seems pretty common sense. And I'm like, oh, good for them. They took the time to say something. Yeah. And then I see that there's someone arguing with them from their lives. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's why it's still important to say something, because we're all connected to people who are navigating these conversations and and winding up, you know, on the side that's like totalitarian and restrictive, which I would say is the, the people who want to characterize all abortions as murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think most Texans are far more moderate than these new laws. You know, most Texans would say, yes, women actually should have the choice, definitely in the case of rape or incest. Mm -hmm. Most Texans are not against in vitro fertilization, you know, which becomes basically impossible if you don't destroy some eggs, some fertilized eggs. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I think, wants women with ectopic pregnancies not to be treated. The dangers are just built into these laws. Mm -hmm. I think the other interesting debate that I've been seeing is how there's, you know, there's a lot of focus on abortion rights and, you know, pro-life versus pro-choice. And then there's the conversation a lot of women are having where it's like, okay, you want to make sure that you ban abortion, but you also don't want to put in place any sort of adequate resources for, you know, be it a single mother or any mother after the fact, when she actually has has the baby. You know, maternity leave in the U.S. is horrible compared to other countries. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a shortage of formula everywhere. And then you're also looking at just like the cost of having a kid in this day and age is so high. There's so much focus on making sure that abortion does not happen. But then there's like a lack of attention and focus on, OK, let's talk about giving people resources. Those two go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, this idea that I think most Texans, most Americans would agree on, which is that abortions should be rare but safe, has gotten lost. And if 
you make it easier to have a baby and raise a baby to give the child a good life, you'll have fewer abortions. All right, so let's talk about stories that may have gotten overlooked in all of this. Shiam, what have you been paying attention to besides the fallout from Roe v. Wade falling? You know, I was really moved by HEB making a significant donation mm. to rebuild an elementary school where yeah. Rob Elementary once stood. Um, In Uvalde. Yeah, exactly. So after the shooting where 21 people were killed, what moved you about it? So I actually was not aware that the elementary school had gotten torn down. I had kept up with the news pretty closely, but between work and, and life and and that's actually why I really appreciate this space is that it like really takes a lot to keep up with what's happening. Mm -hmm. So first finding out that HEB made this donation and then it was like, oh, why did they make this $10 million donation mm -hmm. to rebuild? Oh, because they tore down Rob Elementary. And I think what happened in Uvalde is probably one of the top saddest, grievous things to have happened that I have ever heard of. I've I kind of have a set of stories that it's like, wow, that's that's going to stay with me forever. It was a moving moment because it takes a lot to say, like, you know what? This can never be a happy place again. Like yeah. we we actually need this this building to go down and we need to start. So I think it, it was emotional because it was a physical manifestation of the grief. And that this mm. is something the community needs to heal. Exactly. I love that story. That was that was actually mine too. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of HEB. So right. seeing that, it's just like further makes you feel like HEB is just so connected to the communities that they're in. And I just, I thought that was... Yeah. I also think it's interesting that HEB often steps in where you'd expect government. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. in, a, in disaster response. Now they're rebuilding an elementary school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons Texans love them, because they do things that we as a group agree need to be done, mm -hmm. and they do them fast and well. Lisa, I have a question for you. In previous episodes, and I, and I didn't want to just be like a one-note record, because I am a huge fan of HEB. Mm -hmm. And in fact, last night I went shopping there, and I felt so good, you know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Dina's happy place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh -huh. way the way that you said HEB steps in where you'd often expect government to. And earlier you said that most Texans would agree with some pretty moderate common sense attitudes towards abortion. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that in Texas we're living in a there's like a disconnect and a discrepancy and an imbalance there? It is right now the state of Texas is basically ruled by the Republican primary. And the people who run in the Republican primary are ruled by the people who are in the party making the platform. And that is the most extreme corner of conservatism. You know, that party platform, you know, is chilling to most Texans. Most Texans do not want to secede from the United States. Most Texans do not want to overturn same-sex marriage. And they don't reject the idea that Biden won the presidential election. I mean, it's nuts. You expect a party platform to be something that would attract voters, that 
would be something that most people would think, oh, yeah, these are my people. I'll go join them. But that stopped being how it works. And, you know, we're moving into a scary time because Republicans are still the majority, even if most Republicans don't necessarily agree with their party leadership. And they determine our voting districts, which means that it gets harder and harder for anyone not a Republican to win. After Roe v. Wade was overturned, and that was a common refrain, was, you know, why are you guys so angry? We're taking it back to the states. And and I think that's important to remember is that the states have been kind of gamed or or stacked in favor of... Oh, well, also, like, the states can be wrong. Do you remember Jim Crow? Texas was clearly in the wrong oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> and how about slavery? Slavery was not good. States' rights do not have a history of, you know, protecting human beings. So, yeah, that's why I'm mad. Right. <laughs> Sorry, she, um, I'm not jumping on you. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I think it's good. I think it's good to be, I think, yeah, there's just a lot of emotion. It's, it's hard to even broach how to talk about, you know, at work, mm-hmm. you don't want to come into work being angry and... I don't know, as you get older, you're like, I also want to be responsible for the emotions that I'm bringing into a room. Mm. And with all of that being said, you know, being mindful, et cetera, I, I do think this is absolutely a time for outrage and it is, it is chilling and it's definitely a mourning period for Texans. Yeah. Let me go back to Uvalde because there is a piece of that story that I think has been overlooked that needs more attention. And that is that we still don't really have all the information about what happened. We've had these hearings in the state legislature, but those were mainly the Department of Public Safety. The head of the Department of Public Safety was testifying about what he thought happened. And basically, he blames the head of the Uvalde School District's security. He says that he was the person who was in charge at the scene and he made the bad decisions. But the head of the school district security says, no, he did not believe that he was in charge. And so there's a real deep question. What the heck happened? How did we have, what, more than 70 armed law enforcement people in Uvalde and it took more than an hour to go into that classroom while kids were dying, teachers were dying? I think there's a lot of stuff we don't know. The body cam images, the security footage, the documents have not been released. But I find it shocking that there's still so much not released. And one reason is something they call the dead suspect loophole. Mm. That if a crime is being investigated, but no one has been convicted, the documents don't have to be released. Even though in this case, it is so clearly in the public interest to do so. We need to know what happened so that it doesn't happen again. All right. Now we're depressed. Let's <laughs> let's talk about something that is making you happy in Houston, something that is bringing you joy. <laughs> Shiam, what have you got? I don't know if there's anything in the news bringing me joy. Oh, I did. I did donate to Lena Hidalgo. I think she had like a deadline last night like a fundraising deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I, I like need to get up on like when the elections and stuff are. And I need to vote for everyone who has been doing and saying and delivering on common sense political platforms. But I did. That made me happy. I'm like happy for people like Lena and that judge who 
put the restraining order uh, in place. The Harris County judge. Christine Weems. Exactly. And I'm just, I'm, I had mentioned to y'all earlier before the show started that I now live in, in Montrose near the Manel. Uh Nice. I love this neighborhood. Honestly, just, just, I'm really looking forward to just walking around this neighborhood near the Manil at night after work and just kind of like reflecting and taking stock of everything. Um, It's such a peaceful neighborhood. Yes. And if you're a lover of art and architecture, it's the place to be. And I think, I think it even edges out the heights for me. The heights is, the heights is really awesome, but there's just something so great about this neighborhood. And it's just wonderful to see people out at night riding their bikes, walking around. There's a real need to be with people right now. But I'm wondering what's been what's been bringing y'all joy. Dina, what about you? I have to say getting some rain in this drought is great. <laughs> oh, And then the long weekend. I, I feel like after these crazy wild news cycles, you just kind of need to unplug, even though I have like no extravagant plans happening. I'm just ready to bum and just unplug. That's what I'm so excited about doing. Right. Independence Day means <laughs> catching your breath. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How sad. Damn. Yeah. So for me, I, I wouldn't actually say it's a moment of joy, but it's a moment of satisfaction. During the drought, somehow flies have discovered some sort of hole in my house and they are coming in and they are buzzing around my kitchen, which makes me furious. Ooh, yeah. No. Yeah, I know, Dina, you love bugs. So no. I was whacking them with my old school fly swatter. And my <laughs> son informed me that really, this is not the best use of my time. If I want to get rid of them, I needed to use this plastic gun that he has. It's called a <gasps> bug assault, bug assault. It looks like a super soaker. And you load it up with like mm-hmm. Martin salt, table salt. And it's spring-loaded, and you go around, and you can shoot a fly. You can blow the little sucker away. The bug assault. Simple to use. Just pour ordinary table salt, cock, aim, remove safety, and fire. Non-toxic, air-powered, no batteries required. (laughs) And I have just blown away loads of flies. You know, it's, they're not a problem in my kitchen anymore. A couple sneak in every day and I go, you know, Wait stalking them, preying upon them. <laughs> Boom. It's bad for me spiritually. I know. Wait I know. This is not good for me, but I have so much anger to work out right now. Oh my Lord. Maybe it's not really getting my anger down. She, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but yeah, it's dicey. I realize. I'm impressed. I thought you were going to say that you loaded up with with some sort of solution. Because when there's a bug I'm afraid of, I just spray it with Windex, which... What? I, which, oh. <laughs> which, I'm which sorry. I, You'll get it wet. <laughs> right. I just... Shiam, is this because your immigrant parents taught you that the solution to everything is with Windex? Because that's what well, my parents taught me. <laughs> And then I, and then when I, and then when I saw that representation in my big fat Greek wedding as really very relatable, it really imprinted and uh, empowered me to lean into that Windex. Um, But Lisa, so you're telling me, does it work? You're telling me that. you spray a fly with Windex? No, no. Well, they know you don't like it. It's usually like spiders or something bigger. (laughs) But, but actually it does. It it like, we can, you know, the water and the. (laughs) 
now <laughs> chemicals say- weak in it. <laughs> now that I'm saying this out loud, <laughs> hey, if someone from Texas A and M is listening, and you have <laughs> you want to weigh in on, I'd be because I always thought it was a smart, safe way. Because Windex, I think, is safe. Anyways, back to Lisa's it does it work gun. So <laughs> okay, I can t- tell you, salt crystals well, are safe. I think it. I think it does. You know. But okay, well, I just I just want to marvel. I'm gonna maybe get one. I'm just marveling that they because salt crystals are also very small, and I'm like, well, yeah. this is ingenious what? design. Yeah, yeah. no, is, it's a great design. It really they're, works. They're, they're, it may be bad for you. It may like. I'm just so impressed. You know, turn you into a killer, a fly killer. Y'all, yeah. I debated sharing this, but I actually saw a little ad about that, the little fly killer that Lisa's talking about on TikTok. <laughs> where a lot of people were buying yeah. that to combat killing flies. And I was like, yo, that's pretty cool. But it kills also, it, Dina. Like, Does it hurt the fly? It blows it Do away. That's the point. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Occasionally I miss. I don't get my little sights lined up right. But yeah, Ooh, it's, it's wow. like I said. Wow. Okay. Not joy, but oh man, it's satisfying. Wow. So how good does your aim got to be though? Uh, it's not that hard because flies will just sit there and let you walk up to them. Mm. They're mm. stupid little filthy creatures. So you're talking, I have some anger. You're talking about the big ones because we've had issues with fruit flies. That has been really bothering me. Oh, yeah. No, Ooh. that would take really good aim. I, hate those. I think if you you could definitely blow yeah. them away with a grain of salt, but you got to hit them. Okay. And when you blow them away, do they pass away or do they just fly away? They fall over. Sometimes they splatter. You, you can see them. They like pop up Ugh. in the air if you oh really hit one right. Very dramatic. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> I'm not sure it reflects well on me, but dang, it feels good. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> Lisa, thanks. Thanks for spreading. Thank you for spreading the joy. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Right? Okay. Anyway, now you know. <laughs> Every weekend, I always ask Dina, hey, do you want to hang out at H-E-B? But now I think... <laughs> now, now I think we're just going to get ourselves some assault... Bug, bug assault guns. Fly, fly guns. Yeah. Send photos. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks a lot. This is fun. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, y'all. This is fun. That is it for our show today. Monday is the 4th of July, so we will be back on Tuesday. Our lead producer is Dina Kesba. Our producer is Farrell Gibbs. And this week, we have had help from roving producer Lizzie Goldsmith. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band All the Kimonos. We will talk with you again Tuesday. It is Friday, June 31. I'm sorry. It is Friday, June 31st. Oh, my God. All right. Friday, July. Thank you, Farrell. Eventually, it gets perfect.